Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Podmoth. Do you see dead people? Not because you're a Bruce Willis superfan, but because visits with Gma got a little weird after her funeral. Are you often up at 3 a.m. Googling the various ways in which bodies decompose? But you swear it's just harmless research. Are you the first of your friend group to go on a murder tour or rent a haunted location for the night? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Identity Podcast. and welcome back to another off-week weird from the Identity Podcast, a proud member of the Podmoth Media Network. For more awesome podcasts, head on over to podmoth.network. There's something for everyone on Podmoth. On this off-week, I wanted to introduce you to John Murray Spear, an advocate of many things and an inventor who endeavored to create God in the form of a machine. It's like if the robot from Short Circuit met Jesus. No, seriously. In the 19th century, amazing things were happening. 1809 saw the invent of Humphrey Davy's arc lamp, the first electric light. One year later, Frederick Koning invents an improved version of the printing press. That same year, Peter Durand invents the tin can. Jumping ahead in time, we can thank Charles Wheatstone for his invention of the microphone, in 1827, and two years later, Lewis Braille developed a method of raised printing that could be read by the blind. All of these items changed the way the world and the people in it functioned. John Murray Spear, a prison reformer and advocate for nonviolence, an end to the death penalty, the end of slavery, and equal rights for African Americans and women, was an inventor as well. Spear invented the God Machine, an electrically-powered messiah that he referred to as the new motive power. For some reason, this reminds me of the glow of electric sex that the leg lamp produced in A Christmas Story, but I digress. Spear was born in Boston in 1804 and was ordained as a Universalist minister in 1830. By the 1840s, while preaching to his flock, he also was petitioning 
for social reforms and organized the first universalist anti-slavery convention. He helped to oversee the stretch of the Underground Railroad that ran through Boston. This is about when things get a little strange. In 1852, Speer broke all ties to the Universalist Church and turned to spiritualism. I know, I know, spiritualism again. Just stay with me here. He claimed to have contact with what he called the Association of Electricizers, a group of spirits that included Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, and Benjamin Rush, as well as his own namesake, John Murray. Speer believed that the purpose of this association was to bring mankind the newest technology so that they could gain more spiritual freedom. The following year, Speer and a group of followers retreated to a shack at the top of High Rock Hill in Lynn, Massachusetts, and they set to work building the new motive power. Now, let's rewind a little here. This seems really odd, right? Spear essentially cutting ties and running off to the mountains to build some sort of batshit religious mechanical contraption? Well, Spear had attended a lecture in December of 1844 that was controversial in nature and given by an anti-Catholic speaker in Portland, Maine. After the lecture, Spear had encouraged those who disagreed with the position to speak their mind. The crowd became angry and, after Spear recovered from the coma that he was beaten into, something had clearly changed. Whether it was some sort of enlightenment or just the result of severe head trauma, perhaps we'll never know. But Spear decided at that point that his life from there on out would take what he believed to be a higher purpose. This desire for a higher purpose was further bolstered by Andrew Jackson Davis, also known as the Poughkeepsie Seer, when the two met in person in 1851. Davis encouraged Spear to open himself up to the spirits and to communicate directly with them. Remember, this was around the time that the Fox sisters were supposedly talking to a deceased peddler whose remains were in their basement. Or perhaps it was the devil? Anyway, by 1852, Spear had become what he called the mortal mouthpiece and began communicating on the regular with the deceased individuals that I'd previously listed. And in 1853, Benjamin Franklin would impart the knowledge onto Spear for his greatest posthumous invention. Spear said it was God's last best gift to man. He was speaking, of course, of the God machine, a living, working mechanism that would bear offspring of self-powering machines. Dude had some lofty goals. Spear essentially wanted to eliminate the curse of Adam, the need of humanity to earn money by the sweat of its brow. At least, that's how the Bible describes it. The God machine would end slavery and liberate human beings from farming and factory work, giving them a life of leisure as opposed to one of daily toil. Human beings could open their minds, as Spear had, to the new motive power and remove all of their material needs. The machine would create godlike qualities in man. From an article from Mental Floss titled When 19th Century Spiritualists Believed the God Machine Would Save Humanity, Andrew Lenoir writes, quote, For the next nine months, Spear went into daily trances, drawing designs that detailed every aspect of the device. 
Finally, in 1851, the construction of the greatest spiritual revelation of the age began at the High Rock Cottage in Lynn, Massachusetts. The practical spiritualist newspaper, The New Era, detailed the construction of the electrical infant, claiming the device corresponded to the human body. The machine consisted of a black walnut table and insulated legs, topped by a series of copper, zinc, iron, and magnetic plates. From there, two magnetized struts rose from either side, suspending magnetized balls on copper chains between them. Later descriptions included details, such as hair-like antenna to conduct etheric power, and metal plate lungs that would rust as a symbolic form of respiration. In all, Spear and his followers were believed to have spent $2,000 on its construction, more than $50,000 today." End quote. The machine would act as the physical body of God on Earth, containing the spark of the divine, essentially a metal and copper suit. About this time, Davis decided to peek in on his old friend, and when he went to High Rock Cottage, what he saw frightened him greatly. Davis had little doubt that the man he had once held in high regard had gone mad. Although he was fascinated by the machine itself, Davis got some culty vibes from Spear. Topping off Davis's creep factor tank was the Mary of the New Dispensation, who was the new motive power's mother, Sarah Newton. The group that lived at the cottage with Spear worked tirelessly to charge the machine and maintain an umbilical link. It seems that these practices were sexual in nature. Newton would ritualistically give birth to a contraption of copper, zinc, and magnets over and over and over in an attempt to bring it to life. At one point, witnesses said that the inner rotor of the new motor had briefly moved, but Davis himself wrote that this virgin birth was pure suggestion. Even P.T. Barnum, a man who dealt in freaks of nature, saw the god machine as ridiculous. Barnum commented of the machine, quote, If things like this are going to happen, the ladies will be afraid to sleep alone in the house, if so much as a sewing machine or apple corer be about, end quote. Spear, having lost a lot of the support that he had locally regarding his invention, moved the machine to Randolph, New York, and the effort to bring it to life renewed with vigor. Randolph was chosen for the area's superior magnetic energies, or so Spear said. One night, Spear said a group of men broke into the compound and stole the machine's heart. They supposedly broke the machine into pieces and tossed them into a local mill pond. There was much skepticism regarding Spear's story, and many believed that, at the time, the story was just a way for Spear to bow out gracefully having never fully realized his invention. Of course, Spear and his followers celebrated their victories anyway, whatever that may have been according to them. I mean, why not? Spear would continue to be influenced by spiritualism throughout the remainder of his life. His business card read, quote, guided and assisted by beneficent spirit intelligences, Mr. S will examine and prescribe for disease of body and mind, will delineate the character of persons when present, or by letter, and indicate their future as impressions are given to him, 
will sketch the special capacities of young persons, applications to lecture, or hold conversations on spiritualism will be welcomed. End quote. Perhaps it was less of a business card and more of a small sheet of paper? In later years, he returned to more earthly pursuits in terms of social justice, and he passed away in October of 1887 at 83 years of age. After Spears' death, it was thought that the God Machine would never be seen again. It was stolen and destroyed, after all. But in 2019, a strange machine was found in an attic in Colorado, and it appears to be the machine itself. Dan Baines wrote on his blog in 2019, quote, Miss Ackerman of Greeley, Colorado, known locally as Old Lady Crackerman, due to her eccentricity, was a habitual hoarder who lived in a rambling mansion on the edge of town, which became home to her vast antique collection. In her will, she instructed that in the event of her death, the house be cleared and all of the contents auctioned, with the proceeds being donated to a local pet rescue. The God Machine was discovered during the final stages of clearance, which had taken over three weeks to catalog. In a locked attic in the furthest corner of the mansion, a drab-stained dust sheet covered a mysterious object that would later baffle the antique experts charged with valuing Miss Ackerman's extensive collection." End quote. A small brass plate on the contraption identifies it as New Motive Power, and Spears' name is engraved there as well. At the time of Bain's writing, the machine was supposedly being sent to an expert for verification, but there have been no updates on authenticity. Truthfully, this thing looks like the wet dream of any steampunk enthusiast. How it wound up in a hoarder's attic in Colorado is anybody's guess. And the existence of this Frankenstein-like creation is weird indeed. Spear expressed general satisfaction regarding his metal messiah. Quote, Dearly have I loved the work in which I was engaged. I have been helped to see that beyond the clouds that were round about me, there was a living, guiding, intelligent, beneficent purpose. The elevation, regeneration, and redemption of the inhabitants of this earth. End quote. You go, Glen Coco. That's it for this week, dear listeners. Until next time, stay spooky. Enjoy this week's episode? Consider purchasing a cocktail for me so that I can wet my whistle and continue to bring you awesome content. Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash identitypod to add funds to my tip jar. Your support is greatly appreciated. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. The podcast is written, produced, and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is provided by GarageBand. Find The Odd Pod on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod and Facebook as The Identity Podcast. You're welcome to email suggestions for future episodes to theidentitypodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like a transcript of this episode, one will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Please take a moment to leave a five-star review on iTunes. And if you haven't already, please make sure to mash the subscribe button to be sure you're in the know when a new episode drops. 
Sincerest thanks to all that have promoted the Identity Podcast to their family, friends, and coworkers. Every little bit helps. listeners i'm cindy and i'm diva and we are twisted listers a weekly podcast about murder and lists each week we choose a new topic and we cover 10 cases all under that common theme we've done incredible fun topics like family annihilators cannibals killer grandmas and we've also done survivor stories for those of you that like a more uplifting tale so if this sounds like your kind of party join us every monday wherever you like to listen to podcasts So yeah, we hope you tune in and we hope that you stay off our lists. Bye.